What are some keys to having a good relationship with your kid? Like you've, you've shown in the Arweeb world. Yeah. You know, he's a, um, I think a lot of that is, I guess before I give my answer, a, a lot of it's him, you know, I mean, he's, he, um, you know, most kids, you know, his age, and I guess I can still say kids. Um, but you know, I know when I was his age, I, I didn't want my parents, you know, involved in my hobbies, you know, to, for, for the most part, you know, there, there are things that we shared, you know, loves for, but, um, you know, but, but with him, you know, he's just been so, um, you know, generous with his time, you know, I mean, I know when he started going to conferences, you know, in high school, um, he, he missed his high school graduation be, because of a, a conference, you know, it was one of those strange, um, the strange dynamics as a parent as, you know, okay, we know that he's, you know, kind of becoming an adult, but are, are we okay with him, you know, going around the world on his own? You're tuned to the RCast, where we talk about the blockchain on the RCast and how your data remains it's the RCast, where our drive is the topic, censorship resistant permanence. Yeah, we got it. Hey friends, it's Andrew back with episode 16 of the RCast. That's what's up. This week I'm talking to Joe Berenbaum about his project After Protocol. And it was a really cool conversation. Joe's son, Tate, has done a lot for the Arweave ecosystem. This episode explores a lot of different topics. We learn about Joe's career before he started working in the Arweave ecosystem. We talk about how Web3 kind of helped bring him and his son close together as collaborators, especially during the quarantine. And what he thinks Web3 means for the future and how this informs his view as a parent. So it was a really cool interview. I'd met Joe at the R-Drive marketing meetup earlier this year, and we kept in touch. And um, it was just cool to talk to him because he, he's an interesting guy with a unique perspective. So Joe, thank you for being on the R-Cast. If you missed it, Inferno is going strong. We slightly adjusted some of the rules to make it even more amazing. So if you have data... Upload it because we will reward you with tokens. You can check in on the Discord for the new rules, and I promise you will not be disappointed. So let's jump into it. This is my interview with Joe Berenbaum right here on the RCAS. Yeah. All right, friends, welcome to the RCAS. Today I'm talking to Joe Berenbaum, who is uh, remotely conversing with us in Virginia, and we have a lot of interesting things to talk about today. Joe is a definitely a, a big figure in the Arweave community. Anyone who's been to the Arweave Build Sessions will have seen him presented and know about his work. So before we get started, Joe, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Andrew. Looking forward to talking with you. We had the chance to hang out when we were having the R-Drive marketing meeting you and your son came and hung out with us and we had lunch, but we, we had a good conversation. I was wondering if you could like reiterate to the listeners, what is some, what is your background? How did you get involved in computing in general? Sure. Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess um, I could probably take the whole podcast with the story time here. So, so I'll try not to do that. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, I majored in um, computer engineering, uh, you know, coming out of college and um, so that's, I guess, you know, it was kind of a technology guy to start. Um, I started doing software development, um, kind of in uh, working for a great company. I worked for GE, um, 
which was one of the hot companies, you know, back when I was coming out of school. Um, and really, you know, just kind of fell in love with um, the idea of, of being able to, to see things come to fruition very quickly. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, kind of shortly after, after uh, I guess, or shortly into my career, you know, the dot-com boom um, kind of hit, I, or I guess, I guess it was hitting while I was in college. And then I kind of noticed it as I was starting my career. Um, so, you know, I, I spent about five years at, at you know, kind of what I define as corporate America, um, you know, just big business, you know, technology working at GE and um, my college roommate had, uh, had started this, this company and, and convinced me to, to come join them. And, um, and that, that was my first, mm. I guess, uh, introduction to, to the startup. Um, I don't want to say lifestyle cause it, it wasn't, you know, the sexy lifestyle that, that you, that you read about back then. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of a life of, um, you know, you don't have the support that you have in, in the bigger companies or, you know, anything like that. You it's, it's kind of a, you're just grassroots effort to, especially a, a non-venture funded startup, um, but a grassroots effort to, to kind of, you know, be successful. Um, you learned a whole lot through that process. Um, you know, I, I, we, we had really, really good technology um, and, and we, we just, we, we were actually starting this business at a time when, when the bubble was getting ready to burst. So, VCs didn't really want to talk to us. We, we weren't in an area where we were, you know, where we could network a lot. You know, we, we were kind of, um, you know, in small town, Virginia. So that, you know, we didn't have a lot of connections outside of that. And, um, you know, when, when I finally left that company, I, I went to a, a software company that wasn't really a startup. You know, they, they were, they'd established themselves that they were still early on, but, but they weren't funded by anybody. They, they had a really good product. And I started, you know, kind of taking a look at what was around me and, and saying, you know, all of these people, you know, and, and, and at the time I, I was doing some consulting through that company with, with other small businesses that were using our software. And, and so what I was realizing was, you know, all these small businesses had the same problems that we had in, in the startup environment. And we just didn't, you know, we just didn't know that these are common problems. And then, you, you know, you just kind of have to solve them as you go. And, um, and so I really look back on that and, and with, with a lot of, um, I, I don't know, j- just great memories of, of, and, and just, it was just a time of learning, learning for me. Um, and then, you know, spent, I don't know, s- several years there. And then I ended up back in, um, corporate America again at, at Capital One, which is a, a fantastic company. Um, you know, and, and really got to learn a, a new industry, you know, with, with banking and, and you know, financial services. Um, and, and the cool thing about Capital One was, you know, the, they just, they have the ability to recruit this, just an incredible, incredible talent base, you know, so, so you just, I was constantly amazed by all the talent that was around me and it was a really fun place to work. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, I, I actually, I, in my, during my time at Capital One, I, I, I worked on a, it was kind of a, it was like a competition that, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, come up with an idea and, and start to build, you know, form your team and start to build this idea. And, and then, you know, we'll, we'll select the best ideas. And, you know, through, through that journey, you know, I realized that, man, I really liked the, you know, th- this building, 
you know, that, that you don't really get in, in these big companies. And, and so that was kind of my first, um, first real, uh, I guess, epiphany that, you know, I, I need to be, you know, building things from, from scratch that, that that's what I really enjoy doing. Um, and, and so, you know, I guess enter, you know, my son Tate, you know, most, most of your listeners probably, probably know him. Um, you know, at least for a while, I, I think on my Twitter, my Twitter name was, was Joe. Yes, we're related. Um, you know, because that, that was the, you know, kind of the, the conversations that I was having with people, you know, they, they wouldn't know me and that we would get on the, on the phone and, and they were, and they would say, well, wait a minute, are you? Yes. Yes. We're related. Um, so, uh, so, so I guess, uh, he was probably, I don't know, eighth grade, eighth or ninth grader at the time. And, and he, he convinced me to, to help him with the side project, um, which, and it turned into this platform that we were really passionate about. It was a, a platform that we called fun fund. Um, and what it, what it was, was it, it was a, uh, almost like a GoFundMe inside of mobile apps. Um, so, so the idea is, is that, um, you, you know, a user could go or somebody could go out and create a campaign, um, like you would on GoFundMe, but then app developers could subscribe to those campaigns and put those inside their apps. And so like, for example, a, a you know, a mobile game might have a tournament and, and, and the entry into that tournament you know, might cost a dollar. And so part of that dollar would go to the game developer and the other part would go to, um, you know, the, the person running the campaign for, for that cause. And, and it was a really neat time because it, it kind of um, got me programming again. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't done that in a while and, and um, kind of updated my, my technology expertise, so to speak. Um, and then, uh, you know, after we, we had finished our MVP, um, it was, it was the summer, uh, and you know, we started, you know, going to the next phase of that, which was kind of shopping, you know, shopping the product around because we had this, you know, this two prong problem that, you know, any, uh, many platforms face where, you know, in order, you know, to get customers, you have to have, you know, the other side of the equation and vice versa, you know, it's kind of cart before the horse kind of thing. And so we started trying to reach out to, you know, game developers and, um, you know, nobody would really talk to us. And, and, and what we ended up learning was that, you know, a lot of the games that made sense for this platform um, were, were what were called um, hyper casual games, you know, the, the games that people play all day long, you know, just kind of pick up their phone and pass time and play. And, 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 and in some ways it's a perfect, uh, it, it, it was a perfect route for this technology because, you know, they, they had tournaments in those games. And, um, but what we learned was that, you know, just, a handful of publishers kind of own that industry and um, the way that they, you know, they, or I guess the revenue model is kind of a rinse and repeat, you know, they might pay a dollar for a customer, but then they make a dollar 50 off that customer. So it's just a, a rinse and repeat volume game. And so they, they didn't really care about an additional revenue stream, you know, and, and so, you know, Tate started back at school and, and um, you know, I, I kind of started on to other, other projects. So we kind of let that die, but, but the cool thing about that was, is it was kind of this, you know, father son, you know, creation um, thing. And, and it was kind of like our thing that, that, that we would do. And, and I just remember that it was just so much fun, you know, be, being able to do that with them. Mm. Um, 
And then uh, I guess about a year later, he, he started a project called Nest.Land, which is a kind of a story in itself, but that was his first uh, project on Arweave. Um, and, and this, you know, that really, I guess a portion of that really resonated with me and got me excited. Um, and, and this probably would resonate with, with you as well, Andrew, you know, being from the music industry. Um, but, you know, the, the Nest.Land, what was basically a, or is a package manager, uh, much like NPM for, for Node, but Nest.Land focused on a programming language called Dino. And um, the, 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 the piece that really resonated with me was that this concept of, you know, a, a software developer could release a piece of code and then get paid on the, um, or I guess get royalties on that code for the value that, or for the usage that, uh, value or usage, however you want to look at it, but for, for the value that it's generating in the, in the ecosystem, um, which, you know, kind of like the music industry, if you write a song, you get paid on those royalties. Um, mm. and, and so with the release of, of Arweave's profit sharing communities that kind of enabled, um, you know, enabled that technology and that opportunity. And, and so that, that was just absolutely fascinating to me. This it's kind of like the gig economy on, on, uh, on steroids. Um, and, and so, uh, I guess COVID hit and, and so, so Tate started spending a lot of time at home, you know, as I guess with remote school and I was working remotely and that project morphed into another project called Virto. Um, and that, that's when, uh, things started taking off, uh, and, and getting pretty tough for him, for, you know, trying to go to school and, and, you know, launch a project like Virto at the same time. Um, but it really led to a lot of, um, a lot of conversation and, and uh, ideas, you know, b- between the two of us, um, you know, bouncing ideas off each other. And, and that's, that's kind of where, um, where my project after, uh, you know, was born. Blockchain as a technology is something that connected your um, your current career focus and your work with your son, and it goes back to your earlier work because, as as I understand it, you were kind of in this interesting space that was like an amalgamation of finance and coding, right? It seems like that you were kind of in those two worlds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I was kind of at the intersection of technology and, and product development, really, um, from in financial services, um, and yeah, and, and ironically. Um, at, at Capital One, the, the the products that I support supported were uh, were treasury management products, and and so it's kind of ironic that you know aftermarket is a treasury management protocol. So okay, so that's a good inroad into um, into aftermarket. Um, for those of you who miss Joe's presentation at the R We've Build, let's see, Joe, I'll give you my understanding of it, and you can correct me. Sure. So it's a way of having. DAO tokens, putting them together and having sort of like collective treasuries that you can share with other users, almost like a multi-sig wallet. Instead of just having one token that that generates Arweave in, in one capacity, you have a few and then you can decide together what these collections of tokens can do and how to vote together and how to like bring your powers together uh, for interesting results. Is that close? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because the, the original, um, the original idea of, of what after became, uh, was, was not really treasury management at all. 
Um, and, you know, and it's kind of funny for where we started. I mean, it, it almost started as, as I'm looking like a, I guess something that people can understand are mutual funds, right? You know, it's, it's just grouping stocks together. Well, that's kind of what after started as a mechanism that, that could do that. Um, and then as we started talking about what it would take to build that, we started talking about some of the benefits of, of this technology. And, and that's, that's to me, what, what was really exciting was, you know, this is you know just a really small Lego brick of, of things that can be, or, or, or foundational level architecture that of, of where other projects can come in and, and build on top of it. Um, and so what you described was really the first use case. Um, and, and that is, um, I, I guess I'll, I'll back up for a second and start talking about like when I, when I entered the open web foundry, um, I was excited about all the things that, that after could do. But what, what I learned really quickly was that when you start talking about this technology, you know, people didn't really get it. I, I think one of my first presentations, um, you know, it, it was the, one of the Open Web Foundry community calls where you kind of present your idea and, and then you, you chat with people afterwards. And then one of the guys came to my table and it was, and, and he was really complimentary, you know, it was really nice. And he's like, hey, and this is really cool. You did a great job, but I don't get it. <laughs> you know, and, and, and so that, that kind of told me, uh, okay, I, I need to, to, to talk in, in use cases that, that, that people have problems for right now. And, and so that's, that's kind of what you were describing. And, and the, the first problem, the first obvious problem in the RWEV ecosystem was that, um, or you know, for this technology problem, this technology could solve, I should say, um, was around treasury management. And, and so as projects, um, you know, come, come into the ecosystem and start minting millions of tokens, um, you know, how do they govern those? And then as users start, you know, collecting, um, you know, tokens, uh, from, from various projects, how, how do they secure those? And so, you know, what we realized was, you know, the, the need for treasury management was real. And, and when, and people understood, you know, Gnosis safe in Ethereum. And, and so when, you know, you, you would start telling people about what you're, you know, I would tell people what I was working on and they would, and, you know, some people would say, Oh, kind of like Gnosis safe. And I was like, yes, yes. You know, kind of like Gnosis safe. And, and so then the light bulb would, would go off. And, and, and so, I think, um, you know, that's, that's where we've started. We, we put together a platform that allows people to, you know, manage, um, manage tokens. But, but to me, the, the, the exciting thing about this is, is what comes after, you know, I, I used to have that in my pitch, you know, I'm excited about what comes after, after. Hmm. Um, and and I, rem- I remember when I was uh, going over my demo day pitch with Seb, you know, he kind of read that on a slide and he stumbled across it and I could see the confusion on his face and, and he kind of looked at me and he was like, yeah, that's kind of clunky. Take that out. You know, I was like, but that's, that's the, the, the exciting part. You know, it, it's what, what are we going to do with this technology? Because there's so many cool things under the hood that, that, um, you, you know, that, that can be, that can be utilized here. Yeah. And it's because it's also new, right? And it's also interesting that like, there's this generational divide where your son and the younger gen alpha or whatever they're calling the younger um, people in the community, <laughs> yeah. they they kind of grew up with a lot of this language, and here you are, someone from both worlds explaining it. Do you think people understand the concept of a DAO? Like, if you were to talk to friends of yours from college who aren't in the blockchain space, does that make sense to them? 
is this something or is it something that feels like a new la- a new language that's different you know yeah I, yeah I think it's it's the the latter um but but I think if you spend any time you know kind of looking at, at crypto or, or getting involved or you know a lot of people like to say I'm going in down the rabbit hole um you know you, you quickly understand what what DAOs are um but you know I, I think when we talk about some of the terminology that we use on aftermarket, you know, I, it's funny because when I was first, you know, putting that together, I didn't use Dow as, as the, the um, kind of the owners of the vehicle, you know, we, we called them mm. members. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I, I think it is, it, it's some of that kind of multi-generational, um, you know, terminology coming into play there. But, but really what, what we were trying to go after was that, um, we, we really wanted to design a user face or user interface that you could customize and not really have to know how the contracts work or, or, or how, you know, they're supposed to be governed, but that you could structure their governance in an, in an easy as possible manner. Okay, good. That's, that's interesting. And it's also a question you talked about how with any sort of adoption, there is this role of education, this role of onboarding people, this role of showing uh, why something is useful. And if it's if it's easy to use and intuitive, it sometimes the marketing can be a lot easier. So I'm just I'm curious if you think that in your time in the Arweave ecosystem, have you been seeing a change in the type of people who are curious about a project like aftermarket or, or curious about using our drive or yeah, as, as the platforms become more adopted, do you think the people involved in this space has diversified or what do you think? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's interesting because I, I think, I think we're seeing, you know, certainly different, different types of, of people that, are coming into the ecosystem and, and a lot of them are coming from um, another ecosystem, you know, like Ethereum or, or you know, um, well, one of the, you know, the, the more popular ones, um, you know, so, so you're, you're kind of seeing, um, you know, people asking the question, you, you know, actually, I, I think it's more of, they, they see Arweave as a storage blockchain, and, and, and it's really good at that. And, and so they're, they're coming up with solutions that might be, you know, expensive on another blockchain, but then, you know, kind of leveraging that with or utilizing our weave to, to kind of, um, you know, uh, make it more economical. Um, so we're seeing some of that, I, I think, um, th- then some of the, some of the people that I'll, I'll say are being recruited into the, the ecosystem, um, are are kind of coming in with with the, some problems that that are happening in Web two and and seeing that Arweave can solve those problems with a Web you know Web three solution, um, you know you you start talking about um, uh, you know the, the the Twitter clones come coming into into Arweave you know that's that's just a natural type of of uh, a lot of people you can kind of think of that instantly you know. That, um, and, and a lot of different social media platforms I've seen you know, being talked about. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess that's what I'm seeing right now. Um, you, you know, and, and it'll be interesting to see as, as things like uh, things like are we build become more prevalent, and um, you know that 
they, they start, um, I, I guess that the audience starts, uh, starts growing. I, you know, I, th- I think we'll, we'll see some, some different, different uh, aspects as well. Joe, what I like about the Arweave community is that it's still small enough where we all kind of know each other and we're all aware of what we're working on in our different places in the in the ecosphere. But it's also big enough that there's always new people at these meetups and and the gather towns. So it's, it almost feels like being at like a, a a mid-sized college. You know what I mean? Like we're all trying to learn. We're all trying to learn from each other. And but it's not like a huge giant city, whereas the Ethereum community might seem more like that. So I wonder if you think a lot about the future and like the legacy that your work will leave for your kids and for the future generations. What are some keys to having a good relationship with your kid? Like you've, you've shown in the Arweeb world. Yeah. You know, he's a, um, I think a lot of that is, I guess before I give my answer, a, a lot of it's him, you know, I mean, he's, he, um, you know, most kids, you know, his age, and I guess I can still say kids. Um, but you know, mo- I know when I was his age, I-, I didn't want my parents, you know, involved in my hobbies, you know, to, for, for the most part, you know, th- there are things that we shared, you know, loves for, but, um, you know, but, but with him, you know, he's just been so, um, you know, generous with his time, you know, I mean, I know when he started going to conferences, you know, in high school, um, he, he missed his high school graduation be, because of a, a conference. You know, it was one of those strange, um, those strange dynamics as a parent as, you know, okay, we know that he's, you know, kind of becoming an adult, but are, are we okay with him, you know, going around the world on his own, you know, cause, cause it doesn't really feel like it, it's, it's okay. So, and, and I think he made that easy, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't kind of rebel against us or whatever, you know, he, he communicated and, and he, he included us in that, um, you know, so, so I think a lot of it's him. Um, but, you know, from a, a parent perspective, um, you know, I, I think that it, it's really important to, um, to just be supportive of your kids' passions, you know, especially if, if you have the opportunity or if your kid has the opportunity to find their passion. You know, that's just really special, you know, and it doesn't happen. You know, I, I don't, at his age, I don't think I had a passion, you know, I had things I like to do, but there weren't, they weren't things that I'm thinking, Hey, I can make a career out of this, you know? And, um, you know, so, so I think that, um, a lot of times, you know, so, sometimes, you know, as adults, we kind of miss that in our kids. And, and so I think to always encourage them to, you, you know, do what you love, you know, it's just, it's just so important that, yeah, that is really cool. And it's interesting when there's this intersection of when the thing that you love has an energy around it and the excitement around it, and it's new and you're in the forefront of like helping drive that culture forward. That's like, that's really special and that you could recognize that and encourage it is a good lesson because 20 years ago, t- talking about a decentralized storage solution like Arweave, it might it might have seemed kind of like science fiction, right? Yeah. Like, how is that even possible? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, just when I think you were you were in the on the call the, the other day when I mentioned this, but you know, when when Amazon was released, I mean, if if where when they launched, right? If, if they said, "Hey, we're going to disrupt brick and mortar retail," you know, people would have would have just laughed but you know <laughs> when they say hey we're, we're going to sell books over the internet you know um 
I, I think people are like, okay, yeah, that, that's a little crazy, but I guess you could do that, you know, and then, you know, sure enough, they disrupted, you know, their, their brick and mortar retail. So um, it kind of feels, you know, very similar. Yeah, it feels similar. And there's this constant debate of like, okay, the, uh, the first web boom had this kind of like the bubble popped. Is it like, is it going to happen with crypto or is it, has it happened or is it going to like down the line? Like, do you feel like we are at a, a, a we've reached a bubble or do you feel like we're, there's a ways to go or is it kind of too hard to tell? Cause I know you have a lot of experience in these worlds. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like an evolution to me, you know, like, I mean, even, you know, pe- people describe the, the, the dot-com bubble, you know, they, they describe it as a, you know, as a boom or, or bur- a burst, I guess. Um, but, but really, if, if you look back and you see what came out of that, well, Web2 came out of that. You know, f- Facebook was born out of that, right? I mean, mm, that, that yeah. was the start of, of Web2. Um, you know, so, so I, I, I just kind of see, um, you know, see this as, as an evolution. I mean, but the blockchain and crypto has been around now for a while. Um, now, people are just starting to pay attention. It's, it's becoming mainstream, um, you know, so, so I, I really, uh, and, and just like and you can, there's so many examples of this in different industries. Um, but, you know, I, I remember um, I was talking to uh, my, my wife's in real estate and, and uh, I think we were, I was talking to an experienced realtor, uh, I think when she got into the business and, and um, you know, I, I was saying, yeah, the economy's looking it looks like it's going to be a downturn coming up. You know, how, how do you, as a realtor, how do you deal with that? And, and I remember he, he said, you know, he's like, I love it. You know, he, he's like, because what happens is, you know, all these people that have gotten in the business and kind of flooded our market, you know, are, are going to get out. And he's like, and then the, the, the people that kind of stick around are the ones that, that are, you know, are going to benefit from that. And, and if you, if you, you know, kind of extrapolate that to other industries, you, you know, whenever there's a downturn, um, that that's always a time of, of great innovate innovation. Um, mm. so, so I, I feel, and, and the people that are, that, that are, that stay around and stick around are the ones that truly see that. And I think that's when, you know, some of the great, um, you, you know, great products and, and projects, you know, kind of, uh, come to life. It makes me think of aftermarket, right? <laughs> like post what happens after the market changes, like and it makes me think, I always think in terms of music metaphors, sometimes when I think about cultural memes and um, the way culture shifts. And I think about how if that example applies to if you look at the story of Nirvana, right? Like punk rock and thrash music kind of was out of fashion in the late 80s, but it influenced this band, which then took it and made grunge and it became popular in a whole nother way. It's it's like a way of like things, good ideas that stick around by people who stay dedicated to them sometimes have an unexpected result. And I think that's, yeah, that's like the, the upside of a downturn market. You can end up influencing a whole generation of music fans. You can end up building a platform that changes the world. And so we'll see where it all goes. And what I really like about doing the art cast is we have these permanent, uh, dialogues of speculation and and these first person <laughs> accounts <laughs> so we'll we'll go back and we'll listen we'll be like oh yeah they predicted something would happen yeah yeah uh, i don't know what to think yeah. about that but uh, <laughs> i guess that's good right yeah I, it's it's i think it's fun to have to, that this platform yeah. the the permacast network and everything it's it's i really enjoy doing this and talking to yeah. influential people um in the community joe is there anything 
like you want to promote, let's, let's send people to the aftermarket Twitter or anything else we can plug, um, to help spread the word. Yeah, sure. You know, Twitter's a, gr- a great place to, to get started. Um, you know, and it's, it's aftermarket, it's AFTR. Uh, it's, it's an acronym actually. Um, and, and then, um, after dot market is the, is the main site. And then, uh, you can, from there, you can get to what we call the playground. We, we just launched that, uh, recently. That's our test net. Um, and, and the purpose of, of that is, uh, I guess it's, it's several things. Um, you know, one is to get people familiar with, with, um, you know, the technology and, and it's, and it's usefulness. Um, but then two, to, to really test some of the, um, the, the integration that, that we have under the hood, you know, we're, we're integrated with a couple of other, um, are we projects? And, and so, you know, uh, and, and some of their technology is, is new as well. So, so it's, it's a really nice way to, to kind of test that out and kind of work out the kinks while we're, while we're learning about how our users are going to, um, use the platform. So it's, and, and then I guess third, it's, it's kind of a community growth strategy. Um, you know, to kind of introduce the product and, and, um, you know, get people to, uh, you know, get on there and start, um, you know, giving us the growing our community, but getting us, giving us the feedback that we're looking for. Please check that out. Um, Joe is on Twitter. It's Joe, just at Joe Berenbaum. Yeah. And maybe we'll see you at a future, one of the future, uh, R drive community meetups. Joe, thank you so much. Um, hopefully we'll talk to you again and I appreciate your time and I appreciate your great perspective. Yeah. Th- thanks for having me, Andrew. Uh, you know, I really appreciate your time and, and all the things that, um, or, or the efforts that, that you do to, um, you know, promote all the projects, uh, in our weave. Well, thank you, Joe. And, uh, it, this has been a good, great conversation. So we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate you being on the show. There are a lot of exciting things happening with RIO, so be sure to stay tuned. We posted some new tutorial videos on YouTube and on our social media channels. There's one uh, I did with Ariel, the CTO, about manifests, how you can use them. A lot of exciting content coming, so be sure to check in with us on Discord and tune in in two weeks. And remember, know before you stow. That's what's up. Thank you, Joe. I'm Andrew. We'll see you soon.